Welcome to episode two of the Called Bank podcast. This is Dale Harper. This is Nathan Mortensen. So in our first in our first episode, we went over the All Star Game. We went over what we liked, the new format. So if you haven't had the chance to listen to that, I suggest you go back and listen to that one. But in this episode, the All Star Break is behind us. So now we are looking forward to towards the most exciting. What is it like three months of basketball of the year? We have March Madness coming up, but what I'm more excited about is what is going to happen before the playoffs. And before we get into that, we're just going to take a look back at the season up to this point and kind of what we've liked and disliked about it. So I think, Dale, you have a list of... Yeah, so we're going to have a like or dislike. I will name a few things that have been different this season or new in basketball. Uh, some of them will be jazz-specific, and we will see what Nate thinks about them, and I'll I'll add in my two cents as well. So the first thing is probably you all have your own very strong opinions about it, but coaches' challenges. Nate, what do you think about those? Meh. <laughs> I, I can't pick a side because I like it except for when I don't like it, and that's the problem I think that everybody has. I I. Do not like coaches' challenges. I I think it was a it's been a fun experiment, but I hope they get rid of it this offseason. I think the biggest problem is you start missing calls at the end of the game. So I think the two biggest things that everybody's whined about, and I don't understand. Um, I kind of understand, but I don't know why it's the only thing people are whining about is Gobert fouling at the end of the Pelicans game, and then Gobert goaltending on Dame's shot at the end of the Portland game. And a big response I've seen is you should just call everything so that you can review it, but that ruins the whole flow of the last, like, two minutes. Yeah, and that's the best basketball. And then it just, you get bored because there's so many stops. And then, for instance, let's say the Giannis goaltend that they went back and they looked at last night. You know, if if they call that a goaltend, only so they can review it, and then it's as close as it is, and you can't overturn it, but if the referees on the floor actually thought it wasn't a goaltend, but they called it so you could review it, and then you can't overturn it, like, it just doesn't work. And so many calls go both ways in games that I feel like in the end, the hope is they balance out. Like, yeah, the Jazz won a couple games, or might have won a couple games because of foul calls. But they lost some because of foul calls, and they won some because of foul calls. So it's just the way the cookie crumbles, and it's going to be how it is. So, Yeah, I, I think just let the refs do their thing. I feel like they've been kind of bad this year because of the coach's challenge. Would you be open to letting them review more calls, like personally? Or do you just think, uh, call it as you see it on the floor, just go with it? Unless it's like a goaltend or something that is reviewable, then just leave it as it is. I think leave as leave it as it is. But I would not be against having like someone in a booth who has access to all the cameras. And if it would, it's a blatant miss call. Not if he's like, ah, I don't know if that's the right one. But if it's like, no, that was not the right call. If it's Gobert he, blocking the ball twelve inches off the glass, and yeah, he, no call. Then he has the power to reverse that, and then he'll just communicate down to the court, and they'll fix that. So just a sky judge. I think that that's probably the best way to go. And that's kind of what the NBA is trying with the whole referee center 
over on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if they let them get more involved instead of doing like, just the two-minute yeah, report. Two-minute two report, which doesn't do anything. Anymore. Yeah. Okay. Okay, like or dislike the Conley move? I know I have to like it, and I know he's been playing better the last four games, but, like, it's painful. It's been painful to watch, and it's like you're waiting for him to get with the program, and you're waiting, and then he's hurt, then you're waiting, and then he gets the flu. He's good for a few games, and then... So, I think the hardest thing is that he's getting paid 30 mil, and that he has the the option to pick up another 30 mil next year. So, let's kind of review what... So not maybe not directly with the trade, but the Jazz gave up Jay Crowder, uh, Kyle Korver. Uh, they let Ricky Rubio go, which yeah. I don't think many people are upset about the Ricky Rubio. He's having a killer year on the Suns, but, which is like the best Rubio move ever. I'm happy for him. I'm I'm fine with Korver getting let go. Like he's he's, he's nice. on the Bucks now, right? Or I he, think he yeah I think he ended up making it to the Bucks. Um, the player I'm not happy that we lost in that trade was Crowder. Um, and now he's in and Miami. And Crowder was the reason the Jazz won a playoff game last year. Yeah, like, he's insane. And so I'd really love to see Crowder somehow come back to the Jazz. It's just you can do a lot with $30 million and in, And I think Conley's going to pick up after the All-Star break. And I don't think it's going to end up being a move we regret in the end. But... It just up to this point has been a disappointment. And so I'm really hoping it turns the tables and that he stays with the Jazz for the long term and is willing to accept something less than $30 million Because unless things change, right now he's like a 12 to $18 million player. He's not a $30 million player. But he, when he was signed, he was a $30 million player because he was signed by the Grizzlies and and Max Money Man. Yeah. You need your, you need Conley. Okay. So So do you like or dislike load management? My favorite part is how Conley was load managed for what the second to last game against the Mavericks, I think. And then when they were playing the last game of the season, or last game before the break, he had the flu. Um but for the load management game, nobody called it load management <laughs> in like Utah Public Radio. Like, at some point Locke made some comments. But um, the voice of the jazz. I just thought it was funny how they avoided the word. I think I want to know how hurt Leonard is. Like, is he really that hurt? Because if he's that hurt, he shouldn't be out on the floor Sunday in the All-Star game. Is my opinion. Like, that game doesn't matter. If he's that hurt, then he shouldn't be there. I, like, because load management, it kind of started with the Spurs. When Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, when they were getting older and the the Spurs knew they had the talent to make a run to the championship. So they like they would take the games that they would knew their stars would play. Like whenever they played LeBron, Tim Duncan wouldn't really play. Yeah. And the Spurs got fined for that. But now it's just kind of a thing in the NBA. You're you're resting guys who are younger than thirty years old just so they can have longer careers. Which, I mean, if we're watching Kawhi Leonard at 40 go win a championship, that's is it worth it? Because that's insane. And but, it's like, as a fan, it makes the regular season a little bit more boring. But the playoffs are still just as exciting. And so as a fan, would you rather have a player like a player like LeBron or Kawhi Leonard, would you rather be able to see them for 
12 years or see them play for 20 years. Like 12 years at a really good level or 20 years at a really good level. And here's the problem. If I'm not at the game, I want to see them play 20 years for a really good level. If I just paid the insane amount of money to go to a Clippers game at Vivint, and then Kawhi and PG aren't playing, Mm -hmm. like, what did I just pay all that money for? Like, the Warriors tickets before the season started were an insane price, and they never changed. And, like, that's like, I understand, Curry went and broke his finger and stuff. Like, things happened. Um, But if you're paying that much money, like, are you going to go to less games? Because the NBA already has an attendance issue. Not in Utah. And maybe not in certain places like, I doubt in Los Angeles. But in other places, like, do you think Minnesota's selling out their games? No. No. You see some NBA games like the Wizards, like, they look pretty empty. It's more entertaining to go watch the president speak (laughs) than it is to go watch the Wizards play. And that's free most of the time. That's Yeah, and that's free. Just get on C-SPAN. Okay, so speaking of the Warriors, do you like or dislike their tank? I dislike it because it means they're going to be even better than they've already been. But, but like, as a decision, it's just pure genius. And you also, I mean, is a broken finger that bad? Like, is a broken finger that bad? But I, he, he, uh, like, what are the chances, though, that, because this next draft, it's not going to be super strong. So... I think this next draft is a Kawhi Leonard draft. You think where it's not super strong, but you're gonna pull somebody out of there that's just gonna be gold. So I I feel like most NBA fans are hoping, okay, Clay Thompson comes back, but it's an ACL injury, so he's really not going to be the same. Uh, Steph Curry, he's 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 not as special as he was because there's so many other people who can shoot. Yeah, he still may be the best, but he's not just. Ridiculous anymore, and then they're hoping maybe like Andrew Wiggins doesn't do much, just becomes another Harrison Barnes, or maybe whoever they draft somehow he like something happens to him, or he's not as good as everyone thought he was. But I don't see that happening because Clay Thompson is a competitor, he came and ran back out on the court after he got injured in the finals. Uh, they have Steve Kerr, who whoever he drafts is going to be a good player. Yeah. You know, they're going to come out and they're going to be scary next year. And we'll see how it goes. But the thing is, the West is scary this year. And, like, who's going to fall next year is the question. I mean, The Thunder. The Thunder, probably. We'll see if Portland's back in it once they get their center back. Um, but Portland, I mean... Portland has the capability to go in and just destroy every game, especially once Nurkic gets back. But until then, I don't think they're going to... They might get the eighth seed. But the Warriors are going to be good, and that's good for basketball. just really stinks to be in the West Coast Conference when <laughs> you look over at the East and you're like, the top four are pretty comparable. But I think we're all in agreement that if the Lakers... And the Bucks switch spots, their records would switch. Like yeah. I don't think anyone could debate that. So, and you look at the West Coast next season. You have teams that can make a deep playoff run: the Lakers, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Jazz. Uh, depending on what happens with the Mavericks, 
Um, I don't see. I see the Rockets kind of falling off, but yeah. they have the talent, so they could do something. And then the, the Nuggets Pel- are only getting better. Nuggets like, are getting better. Pelicans, if Zion stays healthy, that's eight teams right there. Yeah, that's eight teams. That's your plan. And then you're looking at like and then the, nine and ten. The Grizzlies, they're looking good this year. They're probably going to be better next year. And I mean, they're getting how many picks? And OKC, you're talking about them falling off, but they have so much draft capital. That's a- over the next three years. So they're going to be in a spot just to come in and just take it all once all of these teams peak and drop. And and this draft, it's people are saying it's kind of a weak one. We'll see how their careers turn out. But the draft after that, it's like a double draft because they're letting high school kids skip college and go straight in after Is that, that. official now? Yeah. So okay. everyone's going for those picks. So I think that'll be interesting. I think I wonder if you'll see a lot less success with the number one pick. Since nobody would tell you not to go back and take LeBron James. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there are plenty of high schoolers that came out and then just didn't. You, you didn't look at C.J. Miles. Yeah, C.J. Miles and just all of that. So the next, what's the next on the list? Of? Uh, so what do you think about the Rockets small ball? Rockets small ball. I think it's scary considering how they could really beat the Jazz that way. And they did when they didn't have Westbrook or Harden. The Jazz did come back in that hard-fought game in in Houston and won on that bogey shot, but I don't think it's going to work because I feel like you need to have all five players be a threat from three. And Westbrook shooting 25% from three is not a threat. And he stopped taking those shots, which is great. Like, don't take them. If you can't hit it, don't take it. There's a reason... Ben Simmons doesn't shoot threes, even though I, that's a, that is a different animal entirely. I think, I think it might help them, but I don't think they're, I mean, they might be the jazz in the first round if things end up shaking out the same way, but they're not going to win a championship with small ball. No. And I, I feel like James Harden could be a championship player, but he needs to be surrounded with, Three-point shooters, rebounders, and defenders. And he never really had that. Yeah. Do you know how many years are left on Westbrook's deal? That would be something to look at. Since, so he signed, he signed a five-year deal in September. Oh, so he was extended in 2017. He signed a five-year, he said, wait, or, so it looks like he's through 2022. So, yeah, he'll be a three a free agent in twenty twenty three, and so, you're not going to be able to trade his contract. Yeah, you're not going to get off his contract. He's only going downhill. Um, I mean, you could buy him out. Could you imagine Westbrook being on the buyout market? I, I like. What are the odds that the Rockets just go for a rebuild? So Tra- here, trade James Harden while he's high, get a ton for him, and just. I Focus on building for the future. I don't think they're going to do that. But let's take a look. This year, West, Westbrook's making $38.5 million. Next year, $41 million. Year after that, $44 million. Um, final season, which looks like a player's option, $47 million. I think it's time for the process to move to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> Have them tank for the next seven years. Yeah, I don't. Westbrook is an amazing one-on-one talent. Um, but it's a five-on-five game. 
as much as sometimes it doesn't look like it, you need to be able to play 5-on-5 basketball, and I don't believe Westbrook's capable of it. So as for the Rockets' small ball, good in the short term, long term, it's just going to bite him in the butt. Okay, so I have, I have two more than like-dislike. I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. So Jordan Clarkson move. Love it. I mean, the Jazz have had the best offense in the league since they've signed him. Um, and I wonder if it's going to change the culture around the trade deadline. Because they just went out and did it. you know. And they've had him for an extra like 20 games. 20 to 30 games. Because they just went out and did it. And if they had picked him up now, where would they be at? Fifth or sixth seed, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Exum would still be just not living up to it. And the Jazz put a lot of time into him. They gave him all the chances he needed. So Clarkson, amazing. I hope we can sign him because he's going to be one of the top free agents this offseason because there's nobody, there's no free agents. So it's not impressive to be one of the top ones, but he will be one of the top yeah, the, ones. The Jazz have moves to look at. They'll have to make decisions on Clarkson and Moody. Yeah. Um, and then... Here's one. So everyone's been hating on the Knicks. So if I just say Knicks, everyone's just going to say dislike. But do you think the Knicks will be a playoff team in the next five years? If Dolan is still the if Dolan is still the owner, no. <laughs> no, if Dolan's still the owner, heck no. There's no hope on that one. I just, you know, Knicks, I think everyone in the East Coast and I think everyone in the NBA likes the Knicks. Everyone who covers the NBA doesn't. Because when you have a team that you can literally write W next to for the next three seasons, <laughs> the, I mean, that's helpful. The rough part is the Mavs played the Knicks twice super early in the season, and we lost both of them. Okay, I officially <laughs> think that if you get swept by the Knicks, you should not be allowed in the playoffs. This, I didn't to, realize that. To, but. to be fair, it was, it was Dennis Smith. He was just probably upset about the whole thing, so... He he went off. Okay, so the so now we're going to move into our top surprise teams, who we are doing a lot better than we expected them to do. And I want to start off the list with the Toronto Raptors, the they reigning champions. And, they went fifteen and one to close the break, right? to close the stretch before they, the break. Right? They lost their close. The they one. just lost the last game. I mean. Who doesn't like? Obviously, they want to jet the Jazz to win, and they're capable of having like a Mavericks esque run versus like when they went and beat the Heat. But man, if the Raptors pull it off this season, like that would just be that would be like the Nationals winning the World Series without Bryce Harper, which happened. Like because last championship, everyone was like Kawhi Leonard. He's he's the goat. Like. He he won this for Toronto, but if they win this year, is it like now Nick Nurse is now the best coach in the NBA? I mean, he's insane. And here's the thing: like Kawhi Leonard is honestly in my mind like the Tom Brady of the NBA because it's not necessarily that he's the best player of all time, but he plays the game amazing he's just a and champion they, yeah he's just a champion and they know how to play it and they get and he gets himself in the right situations mm-hmm. where you can look at other players like Peyton Manning who maybe didn't already always have the right situations or Eli Manning up in 
uh, up there or Drew Brees down in like Drew Brees could have a whole other Super Bowl. I mean, he, he, there's a couple that he could have had. Yeah, just could have a had. couple plays or a couple missed calls. Yeah, a couple missed calls. But you cannot deny that Tom Brady's the most successful quarterback in NFL history. Mm-hmm. And so I don't necessarily know if Kawhi will be in the conversation for best player. But over the next next 10 years, he's going to dominate. So seeing the Raptors come back and win it would just be highlight. But the fact that they're even in the conversation, that they're the number two team right now in the Eastern, Eastern Conference, <laughs> is just mind-boggling. And I love it so much. Um, other surprise teams. This team, I thought they were going to be better than everyone thought they were going to be. But I didn't think they were going to be this good. But the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, they just have heart. Like, Chris Paul is just giving the bird to Houston every game. Doesn't even matter if he's on the court. He's just like, oh, you thought I couldn't do this? And that, did you see the dunk he had last night? I don't, you didn't watch no, the first I, half. I, he can dunk? Okay, I need to show that to you <laughs> afterwards. He just went and, like, killed the rim uh, last night in the All-Star game. LeBron James got asked his response, and he's like, it surprised everyone. So <laughs> this is because I've been I've been a huge Chris Paul fan. I've never I've only rooted for his team and when he was with the Hornets because I don't like I didn't like the Clippers for the longest time and I never liked the Rockets and those were both systems that he couldn't really play his style. The yeah. only time that he could play his style was when he was with the Hornets. Harden's the point guard. You, yeah. you can't deny that. But now we're seeing him be a floor general, and he's running the team. He is the leader of the team, and it's so refreshing to see Chris Paul play like Chris Paul again. Yeah, and so that's super exciting. So I think those were... Mm, OKC was... Would you say OKC was the biggest surprise could, in, in the, out of all these three? Everyone was talking about them having a top three pick coming into the season. That's fair. And so it just goes to show that if you don't tank, I mean, at this point, a top three pick isn't even necessarily great for them because they have so many assets. That <laughs> there comes a point when you have too many young players and you don't know what to do with them. Yeah. So I'm loving the, we're loving the OKC right now, as long as the Jazz don't lose to them in the playoffs. We're loving them. But, okay, and then the other two, we have just some great, young teams which the other teams are kind of like older but we have the heat in the eastern conference the the heat have been fun to watch there's been too many breakout stars there to count it's basketball is fun in miami again jimmy butler fits in perfectly with the culture and i i think i was surprised that jimmy butler left philadelphia because that looked like such a good situation for him if he was willing to like cut a little bit of his money, they could have kept the whole squad together and that would have been scary. But I think the Heat are scarier than what Philadelphia is right now. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, looking at the situation, props to Dwayne Wade for pulling out when he did because that's the only reason the Heat are good this season. I mean, is, is that a fair statement? Dwayne Wade, he was playing good basketball. He could have stayed another one or two seasons and he would have still been a good player. Yeah. And in order to not speak ill of the dead, we're not going to name another player that stayed around for way too many seasons. Um, but it hurts a team. Like, I understand that teams want to be loyal. And, I mean, Dallas, like, Dallas didn't end up being terrible because Krista was hurt. Mm-hmm. But had he been on the court, 
I mean, it wouldn't have been like, wait, how long has Dirk been retired? Was that last season? Yeah, he, he retired last season. Okay, La- last I... All-Star break, Dirk and Wayne Wade were like honorary All-Stars. Honorary, yeah. And so looking at it, it's like there are just situations where you can really hurt your team by staying. And Wayne Wade pulled out, the, out at the right time. And now nobody would be shocked to see the Heat in the playoffs. Uh, in the, in well, the, in the Eastern conference, conference Finals, finals. Yeah. No one would be shocked now. And so, yeah, definitely. Loving watching the Heat, except for when they beat the Jazz. But that's pretty much the same and, with everything on this list. And we have to bring up the Mavericks. Uh, everyone knew that they were going to be a lot better than they were last year. But no, no one really saw Luka Doncic breaking out like he has and Kristaps Porzingis, for most of the season, he's been okay. He's been looking at like 14 points most games with seven or eight rebounds. But in that stretch where Luka was hurt, Kristaps broke out for, I think he had three or four games in a row with 30 points and 10 plus rebounds. Which is awesome to see that you can have someone take the load off of Luka for a while. Um, most important part of the whole thing is... You're looking at a team that has the best offense that we've ever seen in NBA history, statistically. It's not even like they're insane. Like When you say they have the best offense, you think back to, wait a second, KD, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry. How is that not the best? How is that not the best offense? But Dallas can just hit the three, and they do so well in quarters one through three. I mean, they're still trying to figure out how to not be the 29th worst clutch team in the NBA <laughs> but once they get that figured out I mean they're scary and they're scary right now but once they fix that they'll be even scarier and it is a transition period because Luca's super young uh Rick Carlisle's trying to figure out how to coach both him and Kristaps uh Seth Curry has had a breakout season so I wouldn't be surprised to see him getting a lot more minutes we have several other several other young players that are trying to fit into something so I think Rick Carlisle is really trying to figure out how to build a system here because he's been coaching Dirk Nowitzki for so long that he has to kind of re-engineer his whole system. And speaking of the young players, especially on Dallas and on the Heat and on these teams, when was the last time the young NBA was this good? Has it been this way for a long time? Or does it just feel like now that you know you don't have a team like Cleveland with a stranglehold or Miami or the Warriors with a stranglehold with a stranglehold that it's just so much open so you care more about the young players or uh I I'm sure there's a lot of factors that'd be something interesting to look into uh cuz I know like when I was growing up you a rookie would come in everyone was excited about him but you understood okay like a rookie's not going to score 20 points a game a sophomore like Zion. might score twenty points a game, but now you have players coming in here like John Morant. People wanted him to be an All Star, and if he was in the Eastern Conference, he would have deserved it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I think that a lot of this younger talent might just be how the game is evolving. The game is getting more international, so a lot of the young stars are international players, and we also have a shooting is becoming a a much more important thing. So you have now you have people like John Morant where earlier he would be way undersized, but now because shooting spreads out the floor, he doesn't have to body up. He has more room to move and play. So you have a lot more people who may have been looked over because they were too small 
but now they look at it, they see the value in them. Switch John Morant for Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Could you think about just how insane Houston would be? That would if you. I would enjoy watching them. That, I mean, yeah. It depends on how well Jaw plays off the ball, but still. And Zion Williams, who's literally been breaking the game. Like, he's played like 10 games, and it already feels like it's broken. Just with how insane he's been doing over there in NOLA. And I'm, I hope he stays healthy, because he is yeah. exciting to watch. I think that it was a really, really good move that NOLA made to keep him out for that long. And some people said whole season might have been better. I think if he's good, bring him in. Let him get the playing time. I just am super excited to see what New Orleans is doing. I'm super excited to see. And hopefully they can keep him. Because you lose Chris Paul. You lose Davis. And right now, hopefully everything just fell into the right place. But it's super fun basketball to watch him play. And he might be the next LeBron James. He really could be. So Possible. Especially with load management being a thing. So, coming into the season, everyone was predicting one of three things. that, Or I guess one of two things, if you narrow it down. That a team from L.A. would win the championship, or Giannis Antetokounmpo would win the championship. And so, what is going on in L.A. right now? It's The Lakers are explosive, but is it just injuries and load management that why the Clippers aren't right up there with the Lakers right now? I think so. And I think it'll be really interesting to see when the playoffs eventually come down to L.A. L.A. with no flying, just staple center, staple center, night in, night out. Um, I'm hoping it happens in round two, personally, because that means the Jazz can be in the finals, in Western Conference finals. But I think load management is a lot of it, especially considering how the Clippers are 2-0 and against mm-hmm. the Lakers. And no matter what Kawhi Leonard said, says that it doesn't mean anything, I think it means something that you've beat the Lakers both times. And something to look at in the playoffs is if they do end up playing each other, which it seems like that's the most likely option that yeah. will happen eventually. Um, whoever comes out of that series is going to have a pretty big advantage because they're not traveling. They get to sleep in their own beds for however up to seven games like yeah it's it's like a long home stretch for them and sure it's playoff basketball so it's rough but like imagine if like the bucks had to play if it was like the bucks in miami in the eastern conference finals and, and western just is just la la to miami yeah then then the bucks yeah. are going to come in a lot more tired with all the travel and so that'll be really big i just think it's awesome to have la relevant um I wish it was just the Clippers relevant, not the <laughs> Lakers being relevant. For a while, it was. I but mean, it was, and that back in Kobe's final few years, and they finals. they just had some young players who couldn't really do much, and Kobe was hurt a lot, hurt a lot, and then it was uh, Lob City and over in the, with the Clippers. City. Lob City. The thing with Lob City, man, you had all that drama with the owner, which was definitely justified to be furious about that. But I just. They just never lived up to the hype. And there's lots of teams that that's happening with, and that could honestly be the Jazz the next few seasons. Or one of the L.A. teams. Or one of the L.A. teams. You know, when, watch when you have, like, the Philadelphia, when the Celtics go in and beat an L.A. team in the finals. <laughs> and so that would be the most uncalled for 
scenario that could actually happen. When you have a when you have a Celtics Clippers matchup and the Lakers are just left completely out. Celtics Clippers and Doc is on the wrong side of that one. <laughs> There'd be a lot of bad blood. So so far this season, at the beginning of the season, people were putting Jazz the Jazz at uh, depending on the ranking, people were ranking them third or fourth favorites to come out of the West. Um, they started off slow, like a normal jet. Jazz season, but it wasn't as slow as the past few years. And I, then I they got even, hot. Everyone says they started off slow. They started off at a pretty good pace. And then Ed Davis got, I think it was Ed Davis got hurt, which just really messed up center play since you couldn't mm-hmm. have Gobert playing 30 to 40 minutes. So in that like second fifth of the season, if you want to call it. But then you're right, they got hot against a really bad stretch of 22 teams. But you need to win those games. Like mm-hmm. you and that's what they did was they went in and won. Um if you go into we I have here pulled up five thirty eight Western Conference um final predictions. They have Lakers at the one seed, Clippers at the two seed. Um they have the Clippers tied with the Nuggets for the two seed, but I'm assuming the Clippers would have the benefit on that one. And then here's where five thirty eight is running the gambit. They have the Rockets at fifty four wins. And the Jazz at 53 wins. So, so they have Jazz at 5. According to 538, we might have three Rockets-Jazz matchups in the playoffs. Yeah. And three, I, like three years in a row. I think according to everybody, we have Rockets-Jazz. But if you look at... Oh, no. Um, ESPN has the Jazz... Um, ESPN has the Jazz tying with Denver. But if the Jazz tie with Denver because of a couple of really bad losses, Denver would get the third seed and... Utah would be at the fourth seed playing the Rockets. And then if we pull up basketball reference, you have Denver with 53.5 wins and Utah Jazz with 53.1 wins. So basketball reference has the Jazz playing the Rockets, but with enough of a swing that if they somehow pull off a game against, pull off one extra game and get one more win than Denver that they're in the conversation for the three seed. And if they got the 54 wins and Denver got 53, the Jazz might have the tiebreak against the Clippers and sneak up to two. And, so, and the past two seasons, the Jazz had, after the All-Star break, they were the best team in the league. I, I don't know if they're the best two both seasons, seasons ago, but they were yeah. amazing. Last season was the Jazz did all right, but they lost some give-me's. The and, hardest thing is that of like the top five or six teams in the West, the Jazz have the hardest schedule. So I think, I honestly think they're going to stay at the fourth seed. I don't think anyone's going to move. Um, Clippers are at the three seed right now, and they have a really easy schedule going down the stretch. But the question is, like, how much do they care about seeding? So... The Clippers might drop to four. I think best case scenario the Jazz have, or the Clippers don't care. The Clippers go to three. The Jazz play Dallas, which is scary, but the Jazz have more playoff experience. And assuming that Conley's come in and he's reached the apex and he's doing better, I think the Jazz beat... Um, they end up beating the Mavericks. I'm sorry. I know that well, that's painful, but 
the the Mavericks are really a wild card when it comes to the playoffs because you know they have talent and you know like they have players where like they've won games where they've had their two biggest stars not playing and so you know they have talent there but they just don't have the playoff experience and so but the Mavs have been surprising people and been developing faster than people thought they would. Yeah. And they're very competitive. Luka's very hungry to win. So if he gets in there, like, people might be shocked that the Mavs win, but if you were to bet money, it'd be safer to bet against them, especially if they don't have home court. Yeah, and I think the only the only team safe in the first round is the one seed. Like, that's the only uh, team safe. I would say first two seeds are, are fairly safe. Because Oklahoma City, they're good, but I yeah. don't see them pushing through the playoffs. And same same with the Grizzlies. I think Oklahoma City just has like that tiny, is a tiny bit scarier. But you're definitely right. The first two seeds are safe. But what, what if this happened? What if Portland pushes through, gets the eight seed, and beats the Lakers in the first round? That would be Make awesome. Make it to the and Western Conference Nurk- Finals again. Nurk- Nurkic is back, that's totally doable because you have that. But he'd have to get back to championship form really, really quick. Which isn't going to happen. I would love to see it happen. That would be exciting. No, that's definitely true. So, And ESPN pulled their power rankings out for this week. And they put the Jazz at 7. The power rankings are as follows. You have the Bucks at number one, which doesn't surprise anyone, I don't think. You have the Lakers at number two, which again, doesn't surprise anyone. You have the Raptors after their insane run, which is fair placement. Nuggets at four. And I know the Jazz have lost to the Nuggets twice this year. I feel like the Nuggets are the Hawks of six years back when they yeah. were the one seed in the Eastern, Eastern Conference. And to be fair, Denver's been consistent. But I just don't feel like Jokic is that good. He's good. I don't think he's that good. It feels like last season the Nuggets had an identity. They knew who they were. Like They played their type of basketball. And they were a team that no one wanted to play. This year they're still really good. But it feels like they've lost some of their identity. They, they've brought in new players. And they just... There's some injuries going on. They just don't know how the pieces fit together. They know they have the talent, but they haven't like put the puzzle together. Here's the thing. Nobody wanted to play Denver until it got to the playoffs. So I, since I, I, would have much, I would have preferred to play Denver in the playoffs than the Rockets. And maybe, <laughs> I'm just, maybe I'm just looking back on it and really sad about the Rockets series. But I think the Jazz could have beat Denver. I don't, I mean, I just don't think they're that... They're that good. And then here's an even more questionable one. You have the Celtics at number five on the power rankings. The Celtics have been kind of like right before the All-Star break, they've been playing pretty good. I think they started off a little bit rough, rougher than most people expected. And so I, I know I kind of wrote them off after, after yeah. the first 10, 20 games. But I, I've come back and th- things are working. Kimbo's playing amazing. Jason Tatum's starting to figure stuff out. They benched Al Horford, which was a good call. I think here's the thing. I think the Celtics are the team that everyone loves to hate right now, one of them, because they're supposed to be so good. And like they are right now, but in the playoffs it's probably not gonna happen. So I 
I just, I mean, Danny Ainge just set it up so well over there. And to not be able to get anything just is painful. Mm-hmm. Like to be this good for this long, but not be able to make it to the NBA finals just hurts. I think is the only way yeah. to sum it up. It's, it's like the jazz back in the late nineties where they were so close so many times and just it just came it. down to a few plays. If Michael Jordan had played baseball a different two years, Detroit <laughs> wouldn't have championships in Utah would there. I said it. <laughs> um, Clippers at six, which I mean, honestly, you could put Clippers at one and everyone would think, what the heck are you doing? But you couldn't really say, you'd only say because we haven't seen a sample size. But I mean, they're up there as one of the best teams, honestly. And, and the Clippers, when they reach the playoffs, I, they should be healthy. Load management is no not a thing in the playoffs. Yeah. So they are going to be scary. And then you have the Jazz in at seven, which... I mean, the Jazz are going to be playing the Clippers here coming up soon, and they could have the tiebreak over the Clippers, which would be which could end up mattering between the third and the fourth seed, D- depending on how everything plays out. Yeah. Then just to rattle off, you have Miami at eight, Rockets at nine, Oklahoma City at ten, dang, Seventy Sixers at eleven, Mavericks at twelve. Then this is when people start not caring. Pacers yeah. at thirteen. Grizzlies at 14, which for a team that I don't think is going to make the playoffs is impressive. And and then a bunch of teams that and a bunch of teams. are either and not good or may or may not make 30th? the playoffs. Is it the Hawks or is it the Knicks? What are we going to... Uh, the Warriors. The Warriors? Knicks is coming at 25. Hornets at 26. Timberwolves at 27. Hawks at 28. Cleveland at 29. And you're right, the Warriors at 30. So... I should have seen that coming, actually. So, there you have it. The Warriors went from first, first to, worst, to worst. And then back and to then first back next to season. first next season. So, it's looking like uh, 538 isn't... They're right most of the time. Yeah. So, if, if they're looking to be right, it looks like the Jazz will be fifth playing the Rockets in the first round. Yeah, I think they're a bit too up... They give Russell Westbrook too much credit. They yeah. like well, the reason the Clippers. He's statistically are, deceiving. Yeah, and since that's the thing, five thirty-eight, from what I understand, focuses a lot on players on the team. So the Rockets with Westbrook and Harden are going to be rated higher than the Jazz. But I also don't think anyone thinks the Clippers are going to be the two seed. I think the Clippers are going to be. I think the Clippers are going to be the the three seed. I just don't think they're going to care enough. And so the Jazz, all the Jazz have to do is beat the Clippers and then win the same number of games as the Clippers, not including that game, which is actually a tall task. And then they steal the third, and then they steal the three seed. So I think Jazz, I think Jazz will play the Rockets. The other scenario that's feasible is Jazz play Mavericks. So the Jazz which, are going to Texas. That's the one I'm rooting for. Because it'd just be fun. Those those are my two teams that I like the most, and so whoever like would whoever you, wins, I'm happy with. Would you rather have? Would if you want a team to win, if you want the Mavericks to win, would you rather play the Nuggets or the Jazz? Oh, the Nuggets. Yeah. So I the, mean, the the Jazz, I, the Nuggets are probably more talented than the Jazz, but the Jazz are playing with heart. So I mean, here's. Here's the insane scenario. Mavericks beat the Nuggets 
beat the Clippers, go on to the Western Conference Finals. Jazz beat the Rockets, beat the Lakers, go on to the Western Conference Finals. That would involve two insane upsets. You, you really don't know with this Western Conference. Yeah. You, I mean... One through six. Actually, you could even say one through eight. People wouldn't be... Like, the bottom three, people wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the second round. Like, too much. Maybe eight beating one would be a huge surprise. It's not the Magics beating the Bucks. You know, if you have Portland beat L.A., because yeah. the Portland was in the Western Magic Conference Finals last the, season. Yeah, since like I don't, there's just never been such exciting basketball where literally the top ten teams are like a threat in the Western Conference. You still need luck to go your way, but the top ten teams are a legitimate threat for the next two three years. It, and ever since the Warriors collapsed last season, the NBA has been incredibly exciting and now that the Warriors are probably going to come back it's going to be the most competitive basketball we've seen in years yeah it's 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 an exciting next few years for the NBA so so we kind of we have what people predict the Jazz will do and so it's realistic for the Jazz to fall anywhere in the two to five range I'd say yeah. They're not going to get one. Two is probably overachieving. Most realistic is probably three to five. Three to five. I think, no, that's a fair statement. Three to five. Honestly, Jazz fans, the best thing you can expect is the, well, the most probable that you should hope for is the, you can hope for the three, want the four, and dread the five. I don't know how much of a difference the five versus four makes. I think you it, want home it, court for Houston just because they've, demolished through the last two seasons but i think the jazz are much more prepared for houston they um, they have more shooting they have more offense no one in houston can do anything against rudy gobert yeah the scary thing is rudy gobert on defense against houston is what it is because then you don't have your you don't have him in the paint yeah that's but true it'll well, be interesting to see they play they play pretty quick back from the break i think it's like the second game back for the jazz so that's a big game that the Jazz are going to have to go in there and win. So a, a big award tracker for Jazz fans is the Defensive Player of the Year. Rudy Gobert has been pretty much the name of the year, uh, the name of the award in recent years. But is he going to win it this year as well? No. And I really think it's going to come down to a couple of those controversial end-of-game plays. I also think winning anything three times in a row. Voters don't like that. Yeah, I don't I think voters are gonna I think voters are gonna give to Davis, not necessarily because Davis is better, but because Davis actually cares this year. They're like, wait a second, he cares about something now? And so I think Davis will get it. Um but Gobert has just been the same. He's just been stalwart. He's had some amazing end of game plays. I mean, disregarding the two bad calls, he's just been insane, and but he's going to keep being great. He he has been because the Jazz when they were great, Gobert was still great, and then when they had their what was it four or five game slide after, yeah. after their big winning streak, Gobert was still playing great defense. It was just everyone else that was wasn't on the same page. Yeah, and that we didn't talk about that five game losing streak, but I mean, I. 
that's going to hurt the Jazz. They're, if they could, they if they had won, they, they should have won at least three of those. And I mean, if you look at them, let's just say they beat Denver twice. All of a sudden, they're tied with Denver for the two seed. I think, and they have the tiebreak. Um, if they beat Denver twice in Houston, then all then they have the two seed, and they have the tiebreaker over Houston, Dallas, and Denver, and just need to win again and just need to win against the Clippers once to get that tiebreak. Mm-hmm. So that slide was big. I mean, it was bound to happen. I'm just hoping the Jazz got it out of their system since they have a rough stretch the next 30 games. Uh, I think Quinn Steiner will figure stuff out. They have some time to rest up and practice and iron things out. Uh, before we wrap up, who is your MVP prediction? You know, Kawhi Leonard's the most valuable player, but he won't earn it because of load management. Mm-hmm. It's hard to go against Giannis right now. I think it, it's going to be Giannis. It's hard. Be like, That's my prediction. His team's going to have an amazing record, in part because they're in the East Coast, but it's still an amazing record. And the East, and the, they're good, just not as good as the West. Yeah, And he's putting up these stats playing like 30 minutes a game, too. So, he's awesome. LeBron and Davis are both doing great in L.A., but Giannis is just on a whole other level when it comes to game, game in, game out. Mm-hmm. So, that's my call. I, I would guess Giannis as well. LeBron would not surprise me, especially if something happens with Giannis or LeBron yeah. keeps playing how he is, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Giannis is definitely the favorite going in. And I mean, after the All-Star game, Giannis had some great plays against LeBron. So <laughs> the, the, I don't the, think the that comes into slash goaltend. Block slash goaltend slash other blocks. So it, it's going to be an exciting stretch. I think as much as everyone's betting on a Lakers-Bucks finals, it could go any which way, and I really hope we just see some crazy stuff. I'm, I'm really excited for this, the second part of the season. Like, sure, like it's less than half the season left, but I feel like after the All-Star break is really when it gets exciting. So we'll see if our predictions are right. I feel like we have enough, like, enough data points on every, every player to kind of know what's going to happen. But it really, what's really going to decide is the Jazz are actually a big player in what the Western Conference seating is going to be like this year. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the Called Bank Podcast. Don't forget to rate the podcast if you enjoyed this episode. And join us this Saturday for an analysis of the previous day's game against the Spurs and a preview for Saturday's game against the Rockets.